Welcome to the Finer Things. I'm Lisa and this is Wes. Hey everybody. And we are podcasting from the Star Lodge in Akron, Ohio. Beautiful Akron, Ohio. Part two of humility. Guys, it's a big topic. We needed more than one episode to discuss everything. So I am still smoking my UR back-to-back Connecticut. Huge. And Huge. It's massive, Huge. and the thing has not split yet. And I swear to God, I've got another four or five hours of smoking this stupid <laughs> cigar ahead of me. It's huge. You're going to see her uh, down the street smoking this cigar. That's how big it is. Pretty much. That's funny. So we've been talking about humility and humbleness. And uh, we start off with the example that, I mean, a person that's usually known, if not two people, but that always is a living embodiment currently, is the Dalai Lama. Great guy. Great guy. And it always changes because, again, there's a finite, like we were just talking about, there's a finite amount of life. You know, if you put a picture of the uh, Dalai Lama up, you'd be like, oh, yeah, one of the adjectives you would use is humility. Yeah, kind of. Humility. Yeah. You know, that's, and, and so how does he achieve this humility? He's written a lot of great books. I would definitely suggest it. Um, and he practices his faith uh, and his humility is service to others. And that's fine. I mean, that is absolutely fine. And if you think about it, you know, as a concept, this is a person that should be maybe the least humble in the world. I am the reincarnation of uh, the Dalai Lama. I don't know. I'm not Buddhist. I apologize. <laughs> but It is the reincarnation of the uh, Dalai Lama, and I believe he's the 18th I don't reincarnation, know. if memory serves, and, and to go into the humility. It's a big deal. Big deal. Because uh, the end. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And yet, he has humility about his position in life. Yeah. And think about and think about the circumstances. Just to yeah, put a little finer point to it. Sure. Is it's Tibet, and Tibet is yeah. a contested area from China. Absolutely. It's still contested from and it's it's 2019. Within his lifetime, correct. He was born there, and removed from the area. Correct. So he, he recognizes a time when he was part of, uh, in essence, China mm-hmm. uh, and the People's Republic of China for the uh, technical. Uh, and then Tibet is, a, is the offshoot. And to this day, uh, China does not recognize Tibet. It's a, they, he, is a te- he is part of a terrorist organization, according to China. Right. And I would, if you put a picture of uh, Saddam Hussein next to the Dalai Lama and say, pick the terrorist, I would be fair right. to say that 99% of people across the globe sure. is going to pick Saddam Hussein. I'm just guessing. Sure. I mean, I, there's no, there, nobody's done this, but I'm just guessing we're going to go 99 right, to 1. That's here. probably fair. I, I think that's a fair statement. And so part of that, though, is the diction and is the phrasing that you use. Sure. So as far as humility is concerned, do you use I? Do you <clears throat> use we? Diction is important. Yeah. We are going to succeed. Yeah. What does that imply? Well, that implies you're going to succeed, but somebody else will too. Yeah. We that are... you're pulling others in with you. I am going to succeed implies just that. Just me. Me. All me, baby. Not you. It's a very narcissistic kind of thing. Just me. If it... anybody else gets ahead, whatever. And narcissism. Me. Yeah. Narcissism is the enemy. Of humility. Yeah. I mean, it truly is. Uh, narcissism as 
a mental disorder is the inability, chemically, emotionally, wiring, whatever. It's the inability to be humble. And just because we're staying on the Greek uh, topic, if you will, because most of yeah. our uh, Greek mythology and whatnot, Narcissus was a god. Yeah. And he fell in love with himself when he saw himself in a lake. He's and, like, my God, what a sexy beast. I need some of that. And he drowned. Yes. <laughs> so He tried to get so close to himself that he fell in the water and drowned because his own reflection was so beautiful to him that he had to be closer to it. And that's, you know, and there's the other example is... Uh, flying close to the sun. I love that story. That is one of my favorites. It, it goes to humility. So, and Icarus and Daedalus. Correct. And Icarus is a great again because most of again most of our uh, upbringing, at least in America or in the Judeo-Christian uh, society, is the Greek mythology and Aesop's fables. Uh, you know, those are the, everybody, if you haven't read Aesop's fables or the classics, there's a reason they're called the classics. And you, if you don't have, and these are books that are widely available online and they're free. And you can read this kinds of stuff. Um, From the trademark attorney, public domain, yeah, they guys. Are, yeah, they're the definition. They're free. Go for it. <laughs> public domain. So it's, you don't have to spend any money here. I mean, you can read it on your tablet, your iPhone, yep. whatever. Um, those kinds of things. So going from Machiavelli to Socrates, the um, the Apology, and to, or I'm sorry, it's Aristotle's Apology, I think. And then uh, you've got the Shakespeare, uh, The Merchant of Venice is another good one. But you've got Aesop's Fables. But yeah, Icarus is another great story of pride. And mm-hmm. we've actually done what Icarus couldn't do. And that is fly. Sure. Conceptually, we fly. You can get on a plane right now in this country, and you can fly yeah. anywhere you want. And yeah. Southwest will take you there for like four hundred bucks. Yep. So uh, you got four hundred dollars in your pocket. You got a passport. Literally, not a lot of places you can't go. And that's anywhere. I mean, you can get most places less than four hundred. But you know, if you want to go anywhere in the U.S. Yeah, Southwest and, 400. And how, and, and to uh, use Icarus again, how did we do it? We did it collectively. Sure. Sure, Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon. He, he's the first right. person to say, I didn't get there by myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't get there by myself because it took... And I it's mean, those fools on the ground that did most of the really, ma- really hard work. Massive ma- amount. That I can't understand and never will... Good for them. And again, mathematics is also a very equal science, especially in a day and age where you've got like, well, you know, girls and boys can be girls and boys and everything else like that. Math is a level, leveling science Mm -hmm. because there were a lot of female people and engineers working on the space program. Right. Right. They They got equal credit as their male counterparts. I can't remember the name of it, but there was a movie recently about um, women, and it tended to be African-American women. They were called computers, and that's because they did the computing 
to get man to the moon and to figure out all of this crazy stuff. And they did all of that. And they, it's like, yeah, good so job. We goats. are leaving this earth and we're going to put this person and this thing on another celestial body. But the white guy gets all the credit. Sure, sure. <laughs> but conceptually speaking, and everybody looks on their iPhone and is like, well, why can't they do it? Well, how do you think we got the iPhone? I mean, right. <laughs> and that's and then, that's the beautiful thing about knowledge. It builds on itself. And you don't need to understand everything that went into coming to that particular place. I could probably build a thing now. And it would just astound the Greeks, the ancient Greeks. And It'd be magic, voodoo, sorcery, yeah, witchcraft. Yeah, yeah, burn the witch, burn the witch. Yeah, and I'm a woman, burn the witch, burn the witch. And the knowledge, but goes you to know that. what? It builds on itself, and knowledge builds upon knowledge. And a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now. God bless if we can live that long. They're going to look at us like ourselves. cave people. Yeah, and we will be. Right. It'll be to, the bloody dark ages. Right, we're, we're cave people. We're compared idiots. To the and, too great. and that's beautiful and wonderful if you really stop and think about it. Because it's like, I am nothing. You know, my contributions to the world are nothing. I am nothing. And yet. Say that statement in the mirror. It's setting the basis for future generations to build upon. One of my proudest moments as a mom was my daughter, when she went to Worlds in Robotics, she put on the banner that... Um, what she put on the banner? She put, motivation cannot be manufactured. Think about it. True They're story. at a Worlds competition. Everything there is manufactured, except motivation, and that's what every one of those teams was doing. They put the work into it. They put the effort into it. The hustle. Motivation cannot be manufactured. She stole that from me. Now, is that humility? Sort of. I mean, yeah, I said that to her. But she's said, building upon it. You know, it. you put... You have to determine where you're at in life, and you have to put the work into it. If you want something, this is going to come from you. But the only thing that you can bring is putting the work into it. Nobody else can do that. Some people are going to say they do it, and they really think that they're putting the work. Talk is cheap. But they're not putting the work. ACDC. They're trying. Money talks. BS walks. <laughs> I mean, you know. Yeah. True example. And, yeah. And giving back. I mean, knowledge is a great way you can show humility, too. I mean, because why do we pursue this knowledge? Well, we pursue it for a multitude of reasons. So one of a great example, two great examples. Uh, one is polio, the vaccine for polio. Uh, the I forget the guy's name who invented it. Jonas Salk. Cre created the vaccine for polio. And here in America, you can patent a vaccine, and Big Pharma makes a bunch of money on patents. Oh, yeah, they do. Okay? He did not patent it. Okay? He willfully gave it to the world because, for whatever reason... I admit, 
I didn't know that. He gave it to the Beautiful. world, and he said, I'm not going to make a dollar out of this, because at the time that he created it, polio was crippling. It literally it was, yeah, literally. Literally and figuratively, <laughs> because we had a president, FDR, who was afflicted yeah. by polio, and people, regardless of your political views, will typically say FDR was a pretty good president. Um, sure. Crippled with polio, literally. He gave the vaccine to polio to the society at large, to the world, for free. Right. That's huge. Now, did he do that? Why did he do that? He had a, we can only speculate, but part of that's humility and humbleness, saying, listen, I, I, I've identified a world problem, and I've solved, more importantly, I have solved this world problem. There's a need that I can fix. I have made a difference. I, you know what, I'll go more mine than yours. Yours is more, um, hey, look what I did. Aren't I cool? I fixed polio. Correct. Mine is more the interpretation of there's a need and it has to be solved. Sheer need. We're going to crumble. And we were in a... In, in the it's ant- taking I out of it. And, and I versus we. And we're, yes. in a, we're in a society with the anti-vaxxers who were like, I'm not going to vaccinate my kid with polio. Like, Come on. What, are you kidding me? The other example that I like to use is Volvo. Uh, the Volvo designed the seatbelt. Okay. They designed the seatbelt. It was the three-point harness that every car uses today. I didn't know that. Unless it's a race car, then they use the five-point. But the three-point, it was called the tri-point harness, tri for the three, and Volvo did not patent it because, again, as we've learned in the last 50 years, because your parents, your parents and my parents both recall, and if your grandparents are still alive, recall bench seats and the lap belt. Oh, honey. My first car was a 69 Ford LTD, so I had... A death there's trap. There's one strap. A death trap. Well, okay. <laughs> there's one strap that goes across your lap. The thing was so big, it literally did not fit in the garage, and the garage door would close. And it was made of solid steel. Not aluminum, not plastic. Steel, baby, steel. steel. So I always joked, and there were six full-size spares in the trunk. Six. Think about that. You only need And there was still room. Yeah, still had room. So I always joke that if I got in a wreck with semi, I'd survive. Yeah, no big deal here. I'd win. (laughs) And the lap belt, sometimes you'd have to share it. Like station, I remember. Oh, yeah. In a station wagon, I'd have to share a seatbelt with my brothers. And that, I mean, that's a huge deal because car seats is a great, I mean. But it doesn't matter. When I grew up, you you didn't wear a seatbelt. That was optional. And, and Volvo patented the, the shoulder restraint after a need because people got into sure. car accidents and they were dying. Yeah. Just like polio, using that example, <clears throat> had the ability to patent it and they solved the problem. And now, every time you put, you do this, you put your seatbelt on right now when you're in the car instinctively. Yeah. I do. Instinctively. Not everybody does. Not everybody But does. they should. But it is insane. And I do. You don't yeah. even have to think about it. It's something, it's it's autonomous because you don't even oh, think about it. Oh, it feels weird if you don't have it. Because you don't have it on. And so think of the seatbelt, just some simple $3 device yeah. that makes you part of the car and solves the entire, Volvo could have made a boatload of money. Yeah. And had they patented it, then we'd have eight different kinds of the seatbelt. Sure. But they pat. That's absolutely true. I've as an IP attorney, I've studied enough of patents, although that's not the area I practice in. But, yeah, there would be eight 
hundred different, different kinds because yeah. you didn't want to infringe on a patent. And then with the marketplace of ideas, you know, again, economics would prevail and then whatever, yeah. and probably Volvo would have won. And they, the Volvo, the company, gave, made a choice, made a, just like the polio vaccination, sure. we're giving this to the world. Sure. We're giving this to the world. And so you've got this we of, I'm approaching the situation, people are dying. Right. I mean, and if you actually look and Google some old pictures of like airplanes and how they would hang children and whatnot out of an airplane, it would, it's super funny to see that because you would look at it and be, Oh, this is, oh, their child's going to die. I mean, Children's Services is running to the airport right now. And they gave this invention free to the world because, again, car accidents occurred. People were dying. They saw a need, and it was a societal need, too. It's not necessarily a problem that it affects just me. It is a problem that affects every single person on this earth. And so when you think about that, if everybody wins for humanity, like going to the moon, solving polio, you know, solving polio, uh, solving uh, the car seats, your that knowledge goes to the world, and once you get it to the world, the world's going to decide what they want to do. Right? Uh, you can't. They're going to either like it or they're not. And but the point is, they had it free, and so. When people go to get their, uh, typically, what a lot of people don't know is when you get a PhD, unless you're you're giving an honorary PhD, but to get a PhD, at least in most uh, institutions, you have to add something to the general knowledge of the universe. So, and the thing I like about PhDs is you have to, it's called defend your dissertation. I have friends that they have a PhD and they have had to defend their dissertation and literally this happened 20 years ago they still wake up in cold sweats and nightmares about defending their dissertation you are hauled in front of a panel of experts who know everything about what you're talking about that topic you have to add something new to the general knowledge of humankind and you have to defend it this is now, why this is new. Wes, as a litigator, how do you defend something? Oh, it, vigorously. You're being attacked, Pro- correct? Yeah, very vigorously, and you're... You're being pounded. pounded. I mean, just... And you've got to know your topic. You've got to know your fact pattern. You've got yeah. to know your pocket. And you've got to know it at such a level. Such, I mean, and if anybody's ever listened to Bill Nye, the science guy, or Neil deGrasse Tyson, they know their topic. They absolutely know their topic. And the reason that they're experts in their field is because they know their topic. And they put the work into it. They learned it to such a degree that they can defend it. They can put that and say, yeah, throw any question you've got at me. I got you. Come at me. And this is humility because if you think about Neil deGrasse Tyson, what? He's the best we got right now. Literally, he is the best scientist out there. And so he's saying, come at me with any question you've got. All of it. And I will be able to answer it. And that's huge. I mean, so is that humble? massive. It's knowing your place. He knows his station is life. The PhD is exactly, I know my place. I know exactly what I'm talking about. 
and not talking about things that I don't know. And I am confident I can defend exactly what you're asking me to prove. And that goes to diction, too, like we were talking about earlier. I mean, words matter. I mean, if you say, if I say, I'll say the next two statements and they're synonyms. They're equal. I support equine genetics. And you're like, okay, great. That's phenomenal. Or I say, I like to bet on horses. Sure. One of them implies that I'm a degenerate gambler. Sure. One of them implies that I'm in a lab Mm -hmm. with test tubes and everything. They both mean the same thing. I am donating to equine genetics. If I say I'm donating to equine genetics, that's a fancy way of saying I'm going to the horse track. Yep. (laughs) And you're like, huh. I'm going to go put money on the horses. Come on, number five. And especially (laughs) with the Kentucky Derby, the way that turned out this year, that's a great example. But, uh, oh my God. And, and that's very, you know, your, your way of thinking and your perspective with how you were humbled were, you know, confidence versus arrogance. It's okay to be confident. In, in this country and yeah. in society, we encourage confidence, and you should be. And we encourage uh, the scientists like uh, Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse to be confident. And they are very confident yeah, because they know what they're talking about. They're not some people who are like, well, they're just arrogant liberals. Okay, that's, you can say that. That's a statement that you sure. can make. Now, I'm not going to consider them arrogant because, and like Lisa said, they earned it. Right. The, if you you can earn arrogance, how do you earn arrogance? Well, you will do the work. Like for instance, uh, here's the difference. Neil deGrasse Tyson is one of the leading guys that declared Pluto is not a planet. I'm like, oh screw you, Pluto is a planet. I learned this in elementary school. Great. I'm gonna put my scientific, my planetary knowledge up against Neil deGrasse Tyson. Not gonna win that one. Mine is based on personal feelings, my whole history, everything I learned, but there's no scientific basis. I don't have a real true position that I can take on this. He does. He knows what he's talking about. He can say Pluto's not a planet because it's not quite big enough. Planet needs to be this size and all of these characteristics and you know that's important. He's right. Right and he's right. I mean I don't like it but he's (laughs) right. And think about it. I mean think about win-win situations. I mean that's how you can show humility that way is how, how together the again going back to sports or any other team organization Team together, everyone yeah. achieves more, right? There's no I in team, that kind of thing. So you're all, you have a common goal. Uh, those are great examples of trying to be humble. Sure. And again, it's hard. It is it's hard. Killer hard, guys. It, because you're competing with your own ego, your own thought of who you are. I mean, uh, I am accused of arrogance every day. Every day, I'm accused of arrogance. I. No, I see that look in giving my given my job. I am I know that look of oh this guy's just arrogant, and then I rattle off four cases and three rules, and then all of a yeah. sudden we're not right. Oh okay, oh okay, right. oh okay. Uh, yeah, I mean I've been yelled at. I recently I was in a court hearing where I got yelled at for using the law. Sure, because I, I had it in my head and I knew what I was talking about. Sure, and that's you know so there's. Uh, that, that's a great example, and everybody has an example where you know what you know, not what you feel, right? 
It's well, I know it because I know it. No, okay. And the other thing is, you've got to be open to being wrong. It, now, in the law, there's yeah. two sides to every story, and I get that, and it, that's the reason we have this process. In the law, there's two hundred right. sides yeah. to every story. And so, being able to have those two sides also allows you. It requires you. It's a mandatory thought that you have to have an open mind. Yeah. Because you, there, sure, that's what the law is now. Could it change? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we our country has changed laws. Every day. Every sure. day. So it, it's very, very important to understand that. So I said that I would talk about when the cigar had these particular aspects. The wrapper is splitting. And I had to relight it. These are very typical things when you get such a big ring gauge. This is not a humble cigar. Would you agree? <laughs> I would agree. Okay. So, wrapper splitting, it's going to come apart. And I'm maybe halfway, but I don't even think quite halfway. So, you know, this is what I expected from this cigar. Meets or exceeds expectations? Currently, we are meeting expectations. It had been exceeds and now it's meeting and so that's very very important again i i agree that uh lisa had that great topic where journaling and whatnot i that's a challenge <laughs> let us know how it goes yeah uh, drop us a line i mean think about it, it, it and it's hard i mean none i'm of... sure we'll do future topics because these are things that are very common to everybody like i said love trust now not everybody believes in reincarnation, and that's one of the more tricky aspects. But, you know, how do you reinvent yourself? So we'll talk about future Absolutely. things. Absolutely. And, again, these it's not, it's not an easy topic. And, again, with the Finer Things podcast, we are, you've got to know you. And once you sure. know yourself and then you have defined for yourself, and, again, these are fluid definitions. Yeah. They're dynamic. They will change. So let's get into that. Why is humility one of the finer things? That's it, the big question the, right there. The big question, and the easy answer is because not everybody has it. Because sure. the finer things, you know, about nicest thing, you know, nicer things and whatnot, it, it, humbleness in, in itself is a finer thing. And once you can complete this task, and it is, a very difficult task. It, it oh, will, man. You'll open your eyes, and you'll see what's going on, and it gives you that perspective, and you're like, oh, my God. I mean, and children help. I agree that if, once you have children, oh, it, it, it certainly helps. But if, even if you don't have children, uh, you know, service to others. Uh, the Dalai Lama is a great example. Sure. He doesn't have any children, although he believes everybody is a child, so, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, or if you're any other structured religion, we're all God's children. You know, sure, I get that. Uh and that's the idea. I mean, you, you've got this this thought process and this perspective that certainly helps, you know. So Sure. Lisa. So let's talk about that service to others. Are there any charities that you regularly give to time or money? How do you spend your time? How do you give to others? How are you of service to others apart from your job? And... Let's be honest, your job as a criminal defense attorney is service to others. Someone is facing a Definition loss of. of liberty, <laughs> and you're going to 
help them escape this... Escape. I would say defend. See, diction. It's very important. It is. It is. Because people are like, and, and not everybody roots for you. I mean, that's the other thing. Oh, God, no. Uh, no Criminal defense attorneys oh, get a bad rap. Huge bad rap. However, if you look at it... Sometimes all, earned. Sometimes earned. Not not without some truth to it. But all the movies, all the stories, all... The, when somebody thinks of a lawyer, they think of Atticus Fitch in To Kill a Mockingbird. Sure. That's a criminal defense attorney. Yeah, That's is. the, uh, you know, so everybody's like, oh, I'm going to be Atticus Fitch. And was he humble? Was he humble? And if you re- read the book or the movie, and you go, yeah, I mean, because yeah, he was right. So Kit never, and it's only it's told from uh, Kit's perspective. And for just on a side note, if you ever watch the movie, this is the first movie role for Robert Duvall. He played Boo Radley. That was his first ever. Ah. Theat- it was his first ever movie role, and it was in To Kill a Mockingbird, and he played Boo Radley. So he's at the very end of the movie. But you, you, mm-hmm. you hit pause or you read through the scroll. Mm-hmm. That is Robert Duvall. You'd be like, son of a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, using that just in, in the legal aspect, though, I mean, using that book specifically, Kit sees Atticus in court. And Kit had never seen Atticus in court. Right. And Kit had never seen Atticus without his jacket. Sure. And in the book, and, and it's displayed in the movie... In part of the trial, Atticus take, go, asks the judge, you know, Your Honor, may I take the, my jacket off? And it was a hot, it's the South, hot summer day. Oh, yeah. No air conditioning. And he takes his jacket off. And in the book and in the movie, you see Kit's face just light up. And you're like, oh, my God, I've never seen my own father without yeah. a jacket on. And he's a single dad. Again, he's a single dad sure. in the Depression. And that's now these, you know, that single parenthood is being, uh, I mean, it's difficult to say the least. But in that time, single parenthood was a not the social norm. No. And it was not uh, promoted to say the least. Um, So just using that as an example for humbleness and humility, you see, even though he loses, Mm -hmm. even though he loses, everybody in the town respects and says that's a humble guy. Sure. Because if you look, and if you read the book and you see the movie, the judge comes to him at the very beginning of the movie and says, I need you to take this case. Now, yeah. I've had judges say, I need you to take this case. Yeah. They are giving you this case for a very singular reason. Yeah. They know what you're capable of. Right. And they know that you are, you're not not like Kevin Pollock. You're not hitting a double here. You're going to be Nicholas, uh, Jack Nicholas, and you're going to hit a, try to hit a Grand Slam. Jack Nicholas. Nicholas, sorry. That's yeah. Right. I grew up in Upper Arlington, and that's where Jack Nicholson is from. So I, I sorry, but Nicholson, um, but that's that's a great example of the the whole you know hitting a grand slam. Yeah, is is that way because you want to be that person, yeah. and so are you being told by somebody in your life, I need you to complete this task. Sure. Why are they telling you that? Right. And so it's humbling to know that they chose you. Sure. And it also works in personal relationships, right? Yeah. You know, partners, you know, you're friends with this person. Why? Big right. deal. Or you're with this person. Big deal. They chose you. So that's that's humbleness. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, that's very, very clutch right there. So One of the big ways in which I show humility on a daily basis, um, I do a certain number of juvenile cases and... There's a particular magistrate, I think Wes knows who I'm talking about. I 
always stand up in her court and she always, second she walks in, sits down and she says, oh, sit, sit, sit. And I'm just like, you're on. I have to. It's instinct. <laughs> I, I do the same thing. It's kind of, it's the reverse Catholicism. Catholic, kneel. Get down on that bench and kneel. Up you go. But in court, judge walks in, magistrate walks in, you pop your butt off that bench and you stand up because that's what is expected of the situation. It's situational awareness. It's the role. Correct. That particular position demands that... Respect. Respect, honor, that sort of thing. The rogue does. Whether they want me to or not, whatever. It works out well. I mean, and I, again, uh, buttressing that on a, on a legal example, uh, I again, I'll be in courtrooms where a judge will take a break and a judge will uh, come back and the bailiff won't say anything. I'll just, under my breath and as loud as I can, I'll be like, all rise. And everybody stands up. Yep. And then, you know, because uh, uh, I, I do the same thing. Uh, sure. It's just the decorum, if you will. So to end on a high note, as we always do, Lisa, give me one good thing. Mm, one good thing. My one good thing, if yeah, you need you. a moment to think about that. I do. The one good thing that I'm going to use, again, I used pre-K graduation earlier, but the one good thing is I will be spending soon a lot of time with my girls on vacation. Nice. So I, I Are you going anywhere? We Stand do our home? annual pilgrimage to Cedar Point. And Ooh, fun! Last. And sure, am I lying to my children? Yes. How am I lying to my children? I tell them that Lake Erie is the ocean. Okay? And I think that's okay of a lie. It's Ohio Ocean. <laughs> so when they grow up and, it's all we got. and when they learn geography, they'll be like, that's not an ocean. And if that's the worst problem they have with their yeah. father's uh, education to them, then I yeah. win on uh, so many levels. So, uh, okay, but that's so my one good thing. My one good thing is I, my son is going to be stationed overseas in Japan. I hope to God I can say that out loud and not get him in trouble. And he's not in trouble. Um, supposedly, I found a really good deal to Japan, and so I will be going there, guys. For you, that means Japan has its own version of scotch. Holla! And so I will be bringing back some goodies, and we will be yes. discussing them. I'm excited, you should be too. He will be. No, I, Wes is excited because he knows I'm going to bring goodies, huge, so. huge level of excitement, and again. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is the Fire Things Podcast. We are podcasting live from the Members Only Lounge at the Cigar Lodge here in beautiful Akron, Ohio. Where can we find you, Lisa? Integrate Girl on Instagram. You can find me at Jets at Lawyer. Again, thank you for the contributions for uh, the Patreon account, patreon.com slash finer things. And until next time, thanks so much. Bye, guys.